3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: We are live on Football Full Circle right here on the SportsGrid Radio Network and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. He is the mastermind of the pigskin, the king of the XFL that would be Joe Lisi. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday edition of FFC. Lisey, we are in the off season. A few things to discuss today as it pertains to the National Football League, and maybe even a little college football talk. Joe, what do you say? A ton of fun in store on FFC. Oh, yeah.
5: Oh yeah, definitely a lot to talk about uh, Ben, I I will say this the rule changes in terms of college football Mm -hmm. have me uh, breaking out I'm ready ready to get on my soapbox and just, you know, banter for the next hour just about the rule changes and then as it relates to the draft, I know you've been following the odds market, I cannot believe, and I'll throw it out there, that Will Levis is going to be number one over if that happens, I want to know what all these potential scouts
4: and GMs are looking at because I just don't buy it man and Joe we will discuss all of that here on FFC today and everything that we are seeing of course as well as it pertains to the offseason in the National Football League but what Joe is talking about as it pertains to the number one overall pick which currently again the Chicago Pairs Still hold, although they might be putting that number one overall selection up for auction. Bryce Young, still the heavy odds on favorite, minus 180. C.J. Stroud, the second best price, plus 300. But Will Levis has overtaken Joe, both Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, two defensive players, both out of the SEC. Carter from the National Champs in Georgia. Will Anderson from Alabama. Will Levis now has the third shortest price, Joe, at plus 350, or plus 650, rather, to go number one. Overall, so what does that tell you, Lacy? That Will Levis has seen his price grow shorter and shorter, and that he is right there in terms of the quarterback conversation, along with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud.
5: It just tells me that GMs and scouts are drinking way too much. I'll tell you that right now. That, that's basically what it tells me. And I know that, that we've seen this last year with Trayvon Walker in terms of how he was able to move, you know, in, in terms of the odds market as we inch closer to the NFL draft. And we saw Hutchinson slip right before the last couple of days. But at the end of the day, I I, I don't know if it's more agent-driven or, or just more just people trying to create a smoke screen for what Mm. really happens because if you have followed college football like we do each and every Saturday and have watched it religiously over and over again, there's no way or no argument you can say that even in terms of best available player, Will Levis deserves to be the number one overall pick. He's a complete project and not even the the third best quarterback in this draft class. If Hendon Hooker comes back from the ACL and is completely healthy, I would much rather select Hendon Hooker over
4: for Will Levis the age is probably the biggest attractor of Hendon Hooker and there's a lot of people that point to the raw intangibles Joe of the athleticism that Will Levis possesses we have already seen the comparisons in NFL draft circles call it a smokescreen perhaps that Will Levis reminds some NFL draft scouts and some people in front offices around the National Football League of a certain Buffalo Bills quarterback in Josh Allen put on the tape from his last year in Lexington, Will Levis barely ran the football. He ended with negative rushing yards. Yes, you are taken when it comes to the rushing yards component of a quarterback in college football. Your sack yardage, how often you are sacked in the negative yards that accrue because of that, is taken into account in terms of your overall rushing yards, which isn't really the most fair assessment, Joe. But again... Take that into account when you are going to start to make your NFL comparisons of what Will Levis might or might not potentially have. Joe, a ton of that we will continue to discuss throughout this show here on Football Full Circle. But let's stay in the college realm because we got some big news yesterday from Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger that the college football powers that be, the CFB leaders, Joe, are looking into shortening the length of college football games. That There's a lot of people out there, although I haven't heard all that many, Joe, that say that college football games take way too long. We need to eliminate some of these things. We need to make some rule changes to speed up the duration, and as the college football leaders say, all in the name of player safety. It's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, Joe, and some of these rules really aren't going to bring the intended effect, Joe, that I believe the college football leaders are hoping it will to speed up the pace of games. Lisey, what do you make of these potentially proposed rule changes to shorten the length of college football games?
5: I don't like it. I, I think that's the one thing when we look at college football, different than the NFL, we're not trying to duplicate the same product. There's a reason why college football stands out from any other sport in terms of how the schedule's made. You have to hit all cylinders right from the get-go, the potential to be on the outside looking in in the first month of the season and at the end of the day, the ability to have longer games because of comebacks and that's what the stopping the clock is in terms of first downs. We're not trying to make this the XFL.
4: And Joe, the four proposals that we'll discuss here in just a little bit are all trying to, at least as the college football leaders say, shorten the duration of games. We'll talk college football and then the NFL after that. Up next here on Football Full Circle We are back live right here on FFC. All right, Lisey, let's continue to break down some of what the college football leaders are moving closer to recommending clock rule changes in, as they describe, their intent to speed up and shorten the length of college football games. As Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated reports, the four proposals under consideration, first and foremost, prohibiting consecutive timeouts, i.e., when you are trying to maybe ice the kicker, Secondly, no untimed down at the end of the first quarter or the third quarter. The clock runs after first downs except inside of two minutes in a half. Of course, when you get a first down in college football until the chains move and the ball is spotted with a new set of downs, the clock stops. That would be one of those changes. And the fourth and final one, Joe, that is frankly ludicrous, clock runs on incompletions once the ball is spotted. Of those four, Joe, which angers you the most? The one with the incompletion. I mean, what are we trying to do?
5: Are we trying to get this within an hour and a half and just sign, seal, deliver, wrap it up, and that's it? The difference between college football and, Ben, I want to get your take as well, is that it's an event. It's part of the pageantry. We're not trying to duplicate, like I said, the NFL. We have college football in a multitude of cities that don't have professional teams. The tailgating, the, the game itself is the event, and whether it lasts three and a half or five, Five hours, I, I guarantee you the people in those respective locations would not argue one bit if the game takes five hours. As long as they get a marquee product and their team is potentially winning or in a potential uh, situation to win. That's what, that's what college football is all about. The overtimes. We tweak the overtime rules. We get that crazy nine overtime game in yeah. Happy Valley with twos. It looked like soccer at the end of the day. I mean, I do not want to change the game for the sole purpose of fitting it in within a TV window or potentially just have more people bet on it. I understand the reason behind it, but there are other ways we can do that. Why can't we cut down the halftime to a degree? I mean I, I mean there are other ways to do it to shorten the game, but uh, cutting the actual
4: performance and how the game is played is absolutely ridiculous. Certainly so. When it comes to the ball not, or when it comes to incompletions and the clock running on that, Joe, that's just ludicrous. That's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. It's never been a part of any level of football, high school, college, or professional in the National Football League. That has never been a part – of what the game has and how it has been played. So to take that out to try to speed up games, ridiculous. A few things in there as well, Lisey, because again, the college football leaders, whoever those unnamed people are, that are interested in making these rule changes, say they are doing this for player safety. No, you're not. You're trying to make the product a little bit more attractive to keep up with the pace of how things work. But then to Joe's point, Maybe, Joe, it's because we love college football. Maybe it's because each and every game, it doesn't matter what conference, what time, whatever it might be, we sit there and I love every part of it, right? I have never once thought to myself as a fan of college football, man, I wish that game was over in three hours and 15 minutes and not three hours and 40 minutes. Man, it's been games that been going on two hours now and we haven't even got to the fourth quarter. I can't believe I have to sit on my couch and continue to watch this great sport that I love. I've never once thought that, Joe, and maybe that's me. Because I'm not a casual college football fan. I love college football with the entirety of my heart. But, Joe, I can't say I've heard from so many people in either my friends who don't watch college football all that much or really anybody I've ever interacted with, even within sports media, that has said to me, you know the issue with college football is those games, they're, they take too darn long. I've never really heard that, Joe. Have you? No, and, and I think it comes from the older
5: generation, and I'm in that category, but I don't feel I'm part of that that dynamic. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, there's not one person that complained that that the national championship game went until, you know, midnight uh, in terms of through that midnight hour in terms of the, the ball game or the semifinal playoff games. They last, I mean, we had 51 46. I mean, it was re- a- unbelievable outcome. If we shorten the game, we also take the potential of the comebacks, the underdog aspect completely out of the way because then it'll be top heavy. The more dominant team builds a lead and then that's it. It's just there's not enough time to even cap a comeback. We're not trying to duplicate anything. We're trying to keep it separate and just tweak it to the point where we can make it better and enhance it. And part of the enhancement is encompassing the pageantry, encompassing the tailgating aspect, and the duration of the game. That's it. That's why it's on Saturday and not Sunday. We don't have to work
4: the next day. <laughs> it's a really good point though, Joe. And you're right. That is part of the difference between college football and the National Football League. There are so many games played at so many hours of a full day on Saturday starting at noon Eastern time going all the way until 1 a.m. or 1 a.m. Eastern time when you get to the late night West Coast kicks and Hawaii games as well. Joe, it's part of the fun. It's what we love to do. Nobody that shows up to a tailgate in Lincoln, Nebraska, or in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or even in Pasadena, California, for a UCLA game is thinking to themselves, Joe, when we go sit in the stands, I want this game to be over for two hours. There is nobody that sits on their couch, turns on a game at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, and says, this game better finish in two and a half hours so I can go meet my friends for dinner. If you have those plans, you're doing it wrong in the first place, and you don't really care about the game you're watching otherwise or if you have those plans check your phone just like everybody else again joe the idea that this is for player safety is a sham because it's not we are going to get an expanded 12 team college football playoff starting next year in 2024 to win a national championship joe you're going to ask teams to play 15 16 or 17 games here in the very near future so that's not exactly player safety as it stands right now. Georgia won 15 games this year, Joe. They won 15 games this season, or played in 15 games, rather, this season. That is what Georgia had to do to win a national championship now that is only going to expand in a 12-team college football playoff, which I have no issue with. The FCS has been having a 16-team playoff for a very long time, and we asked them at the Division I level to play that many games as well. But don't try to put it under the allure that it's player safety. We know what you're trying to do, and it's not going to work, and you're making up, Joe. This is what it seems like to me. You're making up a problem that. that really isn't an issue, and you're trying to solve it with things that really don't better the game whatsoever.
5: No, and and what's going to happen is they're going to tweak it so much that it's not going to resemble anything of college football. Fans will probably turn away. They don't want to see something that is replicated anywhere else at the end of the day, right? We have a standalone product, and now we're incorporating the 12-team playoff in a couple of years. At the end of the day, I I agree with you. uh, Everybody that goes to the event out in the Grove in Oxford, uh, and I know they leave after halftime, that's according to Lane Kiffin, but they're they're (laughs) going <laughs> to leave anyway. They're going to leave anyway, right? Yeah. They're going to leave it at halftime whether it's a three-hour game or a five-hour game. The diehards and the diehard fans that watch it religiously and gamble on it, we want to see it as long as it takes. I, I want to see the best product available. I don't want to just tweak it to make it to appease to the casual fan. Appease to the diehards and, and that's how you move the product forward. Not the casual fan that they care less where we We are four or five years down the road.
4: And when you look at college football ratings, yes, the national championship game, because it was a 65 to 7 blowout, was one of the worst national championship games from a viewer perspective in the college football playoff era. But college football ratings, Joe, for a general TV audience in 2022 were way up from where they were two years ago in 2020, and certainly even last year in 2021. So, from that appealing television product, that's still not an issue with college football fans or everybody that loves this sport. If you want to get your voice heard, Here on Football Full Circle, make sure you call the Sports Grid call online, 844-843-6879. We're going to talk some more college football, but we turn our attention to the National Football League offseason as well. Joe, we have a week left in February. Starting March 15th, it is the official beginning of NFL free agency. And starting today, Joe, on this Tuesday afternoon, you can start placing the transition tag and the franchise tag on members of your football organization. We'll have that conversation as it pertains to quarterbacks and what it all might mean for the National Football League draft in April for 2023 as well. We'll do that next here on Football Full Circle, live on the Sports Grid Radio Network We are back on Football Full Circle, live right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius XM Channel 159. All right, Lisey, as we keep it rolling here in the National Football League offseason, like I mentioned right before we came to the break, the franchise tag, the transition tag, can be placed on members of your football organization's roster Starting today, we're about three weeks away, Joe, from the official kickoff to free agency in the National Football League. That begins on March 15th. There was one guy like we detailed yesterday, Joe, at least at the quarterback spot, his name, Derek Carr, who could sign anywhere where he when he wants to right here, right now. Joe, the franchise tag will be very interesting for another quarterback this offseason. Of course, that would be Lamar Jackson. He is trying to work a contract extension with the Baltimore Ravens. He's representing himself. This has been a point of conversation, Joe, for the last two off seasons. It seemed as though there was some steam entering the This season, talks never finalized. They put it on hold. To this offseason, it has been a large topic of conversation for Lamar in the Baltimore Ravens. Joe, when it comes to the franchise tag, the flock could franchise Lamar Jackson once again, keeping him in-house, and maybe if Lamar is upset and decides that he does not want to play for Baltimore because he has not been given the resources he believes he needs from this football team, then you could talk trades or whatever it might be However, Joe, the Ravens could potentially franchise Lamar Jackson if they do not come to an agreement on a contract extension. Joe, when I think of NFL veteran quarterbacks, guys that have already been in the league, that are going to dictate free agency more than any others this offseason, and it might not just be free agents. It's going to be Derek Carr, of course, where he falls. I think that's the first domino to drop potentially. Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. But teams would have to acquire – Both Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, Joe, which is a little bit different than the free agency conversation that we are going to start to have here in the next couple of weeks by the time we reach March 15th. But all of that, Joe, ties into the fact that franchise tags can be levied starting today in the NFL.
5: Yeah, and it, it, you bring up Lamar Jackson. Like, what is Baltimore doing, really, with Lamar Jackson? Like, if you want the guy, sign him. Whatever it takes. Like, why is this taking so long? And I understand he's representing himself, but do you really want to franchise Lamar Jackson and have him play uh, with that type of situation where he's not 100% involved, meaning he's not going to be fully involved? We we have this conversation whether he could play or not against the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoff game. Well whether he was healthy or not. Was part of it due to his health or was part of it due to that he didn't have a long-term deal? Is that what you want to go into this season? Franchising him, not making him happy? If he is the future of your franchise just makes absolutely no sense to me. Either you're all in or you're all out with Lamar Jackson. There is no gray area at this particular point. As it relates to Derek Carr, I think Derek Carr's fate is sort of waiting on Aaron Rodgers, right? Because I think if the New York Jets had their, choice right here right now even though cars on the list they're waiting for Aaron Rodgers, right? Is he out of solitary yet, by the way? Is the clock on? I don't know. Is it off? Like, do we have an Aaron Rodgers clock? Like, it's, you know, it's four days down the road where, you know, know, 96 hours removed now from a solitary stint? Because I think Woody Johnson in New York would make a a heavy hit or offer towards Aaron Rodgers, and then if he doesn't want that, then they would have a a secondary fall guy in terms of Derek Carr, I believe. And and that's really where I think Derek Carr's fate is sealed. If I'm Derek Carr, right here, right now, I think I would want to go to the NFC South. I would either want to go. I think first would be Tampa Bay, and then second, maybe New Orleans, with the potential to win the division and obviously get back to a playoff.
4: I think if you're any quarterback on the move this offseason, that could be a Jimmy Garoppolo. That could potentially be a Daniel Jones if he doesn't reach right. a new contract with the New York Giants. I would want to go to the NFC South to really any of the three or four teams that might need a quarterback. I'm not so sure, Joe. The Dirty Birds, being in the Atlanta Falcons, invest in a quarterback this offseason, as they did spend a third-round draft pick on Desmond Ritter last year. But I think the Panthers... Could be potentially interested in one if they don't decide to look to the NFL draft where they have a top 10 pick. The Saints certainly are going to look there, and the Buccaneers need a new quarterback to replace Tom Brady. I think if there is a veteran quarterback like a Derek Carr, maybe even an Aaron Rodgers, it would be wise to consider the NFC South because I think whatever team you join in that division, again, given how horrible it was last season, you become the favorite. And that could happen with New Orleans, whose defense is really good. Carolina, you could argue, as the best head coach, despite it being Frank Reich's first year in Charlotte. There are a lot of pieces, Joe, where I think you have an easier path in the NFC South. And if you even want to join the New York Jets with all the staples they have, you're still in a difficult AFC East alongside the Miami Dolphins and, of course, the Buffalo Bills, who will be the divisional favorites. Or if you look to go anywhere like Las Vegas, where you're now in the AFC West, where the Broncos will have optimism. The Chargers always have optimism. And please do not discredit, of course, the reigning Super Bowl champs in the Kansas City Chiefs who sit atop the perch of that division as they, as they have for the previous seven years. So, Joe, let's go back to the Jets because I think that's a really interesting conversation. Derek Carr visited with New York. Over the weekend, by all reports, ESPN's Jeff Darlington detailed this earlier today. The visit went incredibly well. They really like Derek Carr. They are optimistic about what he would add to their roster, and they hope to maybe bring him in. However, Joe, however, if the New York Jets are in fact interested in Aaron Rodgers, you need to work out a deal. He needs to go back to the Packers. He needs to say, all right. We're done here. The Packers might also tell him, hey, we're done here. We're going to listen to trade offers for you. And that is going to be the Jets showing something that the Packers want in return. The Raiders are going to probably come with an offer. There might be various other NFL teams that try to make a pitch to Green Bay to acquire the services of Aaron Rodgers. I think, Joe, the Jets right now, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you like this, Joe. Do you think the Jets would rather have of the two quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr to be their starter next season?
5: I think Woody would want Aaron Rodgers because I think mm. the, the the owner wants asses in the seats, right? It's New York. Mm-hmm. And what brings that in, in terms of Aaron Rodgers? I think the best option two or three years down the road is Derek Carr. Uh, I, I think he just has a livelier arm, at least right now. Now maybe Aaron comes back and showcases that, but there were points during the season that Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, just didn't look like he was involved, right? Look at the interceptions against Detroit, not just at the end of the regular season, but in the middle of the season. He was throwing interceptions at a high rate. Derek Carr, to me, I don't know. There's just something about him. He regressed last year, but I go back to that season when John Gruden mm-hmm. was fired. He he really matured as a quarterback. And, and if he could play like that, I think the Jets have something. You know, with the young wide receiver core of Elijah Moore and, and Garrett Wilson and Berrios is there and Brees Hall and Michael Carter, he could be that, that you know, m- mature quarterback that I think, you know, could cultivate the talent. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers, from a football perspective, is he going to go in thinking he's better than everybody and he can't work with the receivers just the way he didn't work with them in terms of Green Bay? That is the one factor I think that you have to keep an eye out on. I think Carr would buy into the team where we might have a Russell Wilson factor with Aaron Rodgers in New York, no?
4: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Derek Carr – If I am judging things right now, I think Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers are on the same lane when it comes to adding to the New York Jets roster and elevating the level around them. I think that Aaron Rodgers still is not the best quarterback in that division. It's Josh Allen. It's the same way I feel about Derek Carr. I think the path for the Jets to win the division becomes rather difficult. And I think if it's Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, Joe, They're going to be a playoff team. They'll be favored to make the postseason, but that's pretty much where it is. I don't think Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden makes the Jets the favorite to win the AFC East. I don't think Aaron Rodgers really improves the odds pass where Derek Carr would improve the odds of the Jets. And it's worth noting, Joe, there is optimism for New York because of this idea of a new quarterback under center. Not Zach Wilson, not Mike White, not Joe Flacco. And we see that reflected in the odds, Joe, because entering last year, entering 2022, the Jets had a win total of five and a half. Their odds to win the AFC, 70 to 1. They had one of the three longest prices to win Super Bowl 57 at 150 to 1. We don't have win totals out yet, Joe, but they are currently 14 to 1 to win the AFC title. They are just 25 to 1 to win Super Bowl 58 and hoist that Lombardi trophy. Joe, I think the odds, whoever, if it's Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, get shorter when that new quarterback is officially named, and we know exactly who will be at the helm of that offense. But you can already tell, Joe, it's built into the price currently. The Jets have optimism entering 2023. They do. At 25-1, to 1, I
5: mean, that, it, to me, is significant of Aaron Rodgers. I think if it's Derek Carr, what I think? think they slip to the area 30-35-1. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. I think it's the Aaron Rodgers factor, just the way we saw Russell Wilson with the Denver Broncos, right? When, once he was there, it was like, oh, they're a shoe-in. They're definitely the front-runner for the AFC West. I think it's the thing with Aaron Rodgers. I think if it's Carr, I think they slip a little bit in terms of those odds. I, I It's just it's not. Not my personal feeling. I agree with you that he gives them just as good of an opportunity as, as Aaron Rodgers, but it's the perception of the public and the betting public where, oh, Rodgers is in New York. Oh, they're much better, significantly better than, oh, Derek Carr. Oh, he really, you know, mediocre season last year. The the Raiders didn't make the playoffs, and they just forget about how Aaron Rodgers maybe performed last year. To me, that's the difference, and when we're pricing the the New York Jets with or without Aaron Rodgers at the helm.
4: That's interesting, Joe. I like the idea that 25 to 1 is an indication perhaps it is Aaron Rodgers over Derek Carr. And frankly, because Carr can sign anywhere, Joe, right now, and free agency doesn't officially start until March 15th, maybe the Jets are saying, hey, if we can get Aaron Rodgers, we'll go for him. If not, it might be you, Derek. We'll continue that conversation next. We are back here on FFC. Joe Lisi, Ben Stevens riding with you on Sports Grid Radio and all across the Sirius XM Channel 159 Network. All right, Joe, as we were discussing there, it's interesting to see what dominoes will fall and what exactly that means for all of this NFL offseason, specifically for... The quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, Joe, would need to be acquired. He would need to be traded for with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has the highest annual salary entering this year. The salary itself, or the cap hit, I should say, is over $50 million. That's a lot to pay, Joe, because that's a part of the conversation as well. If you are to get Derek Carr, he is a free agent. You could make it more valuable to your franchise if you acquire Derek Carr for a lower annual salary than that of Aaron Rodgers and what exactly the Packers would be on the hook for if they trade Rodgers. All of that stuff is a part of this conversation. But, Joe, I do believe, despite the fact that Derek Carr can sign right away, as he is a free agent after he was released by the Las Vegas Raiders, late last week prior to that February 15th deadline that was set for him when his $40 million contract for this upcoming season became fully guaranteed, that maybe the Jets, Joe, and maybe some other teams are saying, hey, we're going to see how things play out a little bit. Like, if we have an interesting offer to Green Bay, once Aaron Rodgers emerges from his darkness retreat, and he's interested as well, and we can get number 12 in green, then maybe we go that route. And if not, or if it's too much, or we don't have a good enough trade package for the Packers, then maybe we look more at a Derek Carr, or maybe a Daniel Jones, or maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo, any of the quarterbacks that are truly free agents, Joe, and you don't have to trade for to acquire. I wonder how those two things work in parallel throughout this offseason.
5: Yeah, I think it's important to recognize where the New York Jets are, and it takes an acquired, uh, I don't want to say taste or attitude to make it in New York, but it really does, right? That's, I think, one of the negatives that you can make about Zach Wilson, a young, inexperienced quarterback. Part of it was obviously he was raw coming out of college, but part of it, too, is you have to be able to handle New York. So I think when you, you look at a free agent quarterback and you look at where the Jets are and what they have to go up against in terms of two explosive offenses with Buffalo and Miami within the division, right? We don't believe that New England is there just yet. We have to see what they do, but they need a quarterback that can handle the pressure, and I think that's maybe another factor about, you know, when we break down this quarterback assessment, is Carr the guy? And that's not a knock. Again, I'm a, Carr, I'm a buyer of Derek Carr, but you have to take into account when they did have Josh McDaniels there last year, the, he sort of regressed. Now, was part of that, again, McDaniels' play calling was part of it, a little bit of getting used to a new offensive scheme, call it what it was, but he was more consistent when Ralph Basaccia was the head coach, and let's also keep in mind expectations at that particular point were tempered because nobody was expecting that team to really succeed after John Gruden was fired, right? Everybody thought they would go down into the black uh, abyss, for that matter, and Derek Carr rebounded in that type of way. When all eyes and everybody was looking at Las Vegas to challenge for the AFC West, well, Derek Carr regressed. So I think if we're looking from that perspective, you have to give the inside edge to Aaron Rodgers being able to handle maybe the pressure of New York as opposed to where Derek Carr is at this point in his career.
4: Maybe so, Joe. But if Aaron Rodgers hears something from the New York media he doesn't like, that's not exactly going to be a friendly exchange, wouldn't you think? No where Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is right now. So <laughs> no, not at all. Also maybe, You're right. It's also maybe a component. It's interesting, Joe, if Aaron Rodgers does go to the New York Jets, following in the footsteps perhaps of, perhaps of one Brett Favre. And the parallels are interesting, Joe, because Aaron Rodgers has spent 18 seasons as a quarterback in the Green Bay Packers organization. But his first three years, of course, he was on the bench backing up Brett Favre toward the tail end of Favre's career. And then entering year number four, they make the move to end their relationship with Brett Favre and focus on the future. Aaron Rodgers takes over. He spends the next 15 years winning multiple MVPs, only one Super Bowl championship, not the most illustrious playoff record. But again, he was the guy for Green Bay. Of course, three years ago, Green Bay drafted Jordan Love late in the first round, where they drafted Aaron Rodgers late in the first round. Jordan Love has been on the bench now for three years, about to enter his fourth campaign in the National Football League. Maybe it's a similar thinking for Green Bay to move on from Aaron Rodgers, focus on Jordan Love, look toward the future, and start that way. I don't know, Joe. There's a lot of things that will come into the conversation. Just don't forget that Aaron Rodgers is owed a lot of money, more than $50 million for 2023, and how that will all play into the finances. And, of course, what you need to trade to get Aaron Rodgers is a bigger conversation than getting Derek Carr, just signing him to a deal and working out a contract specifically with him and his representation or bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever it might be for your plan moving forward. Joe, the New York Giants, speaking of New York, are going to be an interesting team to follow this offseason as well because in the first year under Brian Dayball, the first real offseason for new general manager Joe Shane last year, they didn't do a whole lot in the offseason market, which made what Brian Dayball did to bring New York to a nine-win season and into a playoff spot All that much more remarkable because he really didn't have a roster upgrade. He took the same units from a Giants team that I think won four games in 2021 and turned them into a playoff team in 2022. Part of that was giving Daniel Jones his best career year, although some of the numbers are not all that illustrious. It still was a career year for Daniel Jones, and it was the reinvigoration of Saquon Barkley coming back from another injury. But, Joe, Daniel Jones and Saquon might not be members of the New York Giants starting next season. We talked yesterday about the reported difference in the monetary value that Daniel Jones is asking for versus what the Giants are willing to give. Apparently, the Giants have tried to dispute this report that Daniel Jones asked them for $45 million, and they were very far off. Call it what it is, Joe. Of course, Daniel Jones, in this QB market, right now, where the numbers are lofty, and Russell Wilson is going to make the second most this year at more than $48 million. And Kyler Murray, who's coming off an ACL injury, is going to make more than $46 million this year. Of course, Daniel Jones should ask for money, but you then have to be the Giants and say, is he worth it to pay 30 or $35 million? I'm not so sure that price tag is worth it for Daniel Jones. It's the same question for Saquon Barkley, Joe, because running backs – are not nearly as valued in the National Football League. So it will be interesting, Joe, to see what the Giants look like come the start of 2023 and if maybe the two most recognizable pieces, at least from this past year and maybe the last three or four seasons, in terms of their offense, a guy that they spent a seventh overall draft pick on in Daniel Jones and the second overall pick on in Saquon Barkley, might not even play for New York this next season. Yeah, I think Jones has a better shot of playing for
5: New York than Saquon. And the reason why I say that is because... Because of running backs, and because if you look at the free agent running back market, there's a lot of marquee names that you could pick up and duplicate productivity, and that's not a knock on Saquon, but to pay him the amount of money that he's going to be asking for in regards to that, I know we bounced back in a big way, but I don't think it's with New York. He's had a great career, uh, really came on in terms of a top five draft pick, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. He's a running back that's aging, that has injuries and we just saw the shelf life of a running back i think it is very intriguing in in the sense of daniel jones i'm 50 50 every time i think about the breakdown of daniel jones i'm torn because there is the mobility factor that you have to take into account to have a young mobile quarterback that can utilize his legs in terms of the rpo game is always an added dimension right but in a big spot again i go back to this In a big spot, game on the line. Are we fighting to have Daniel Jones as our quarterback? Or would we rather have 15 other quarterbacks ahead of Daniel Jones? And that's the the assessment I think that the New York Giants have to take into whether he is, yeah. is he the guy? Or, you know, have we sort of capped out last year in terms of what you see is what you get? At the end of the day, this is all it's going to be, and we need to really develop a marquee elite quarterback and put some players around them like a Bryce Young or, you know, a Derek Carr. I'll just
4: throw it out there. Somebody else that fits the the MO of where the Giants can go. And that will be an interesting thing. And Joe, it's also a a big conversation this offseason. How teams approach the quarterback conversation because like we mentioned the Carolina Panthers could be in the running for a veteran quarterback like we mentioned the NFC South with how abysmal it was a season ago Joe is really going to be up in the air and up for grabs in terms of winning that divisional crown getting to host a playoff game as we saw an eight-win Tampa Bay Buccaneer team do this past year the Carolina Panthers last year Joe drafted Matt Corral was it in the third round I believe, right? He fell all the way to the third round and then was injured before the season got underway. Did not play at all. For the Panthers, Sam Darnold is not the guy, and Frank Reich, a quarterback whisperer of sorts, is now the head man in Carolina. What will they look to do, Joe, in terms of how they approach the uh, the quarterback conversation this offseason? When you look at the NFL draft order, when you look at where things stand in the NFL draft, right here, right now, the Carolina Panthers have a top ten selection, drafting ninth overall. Joe, do you think Carolina? is more likely to draft a rookie quarterback or try to acquire a veteran QB this offseason? Ooh, I
5: think, see, I, I think they go for a veteran because why wouldn't you, if you draft Mac around the third round and he hasn't even stepped on the field outside of the preseason, why wouldn't you give him an opportunity to win that job? That's what I don't understand. Like, why can't he be that guy? You know, we've yeah. seen him, you know, step up in Oxford, and we know he's a mobile guy. I know he, he had the Liz Frank injury, but at the end of the day, why can't he be the guy and just get a, a Jimmy Garoppolo to come in and maybe fill the void until he's ready? Have them yeah. battle it out. I, I mean, I think that's the quarterback you have to go to, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, because of how they're predicated with the rushing attack. Is that going to change with Frank Reich? I doubt it. You know, although we didn't utilize Jonathan Taylor the way he should but they're still a ground and pound team so i think they go more of a free agent you know veteran quarterback and look to look to coach it up that way i will say this other teams where does daniel jones fit outside of new york and if if i'm a guy do i think that daniel jones productivity was more due to brian dables coaching as opposed to the to, to daniel jones maturing i think that's the bigger question
4: as well so it's interesting joe because there, you could make an argument for teams picking in the top nine of the NFL draft. The first nine draft picks of that first round come late April in Kansas City. You could make an argument. It might not be the number one need, but that six teams in the top nine draft picks need a quarterback that starts of course with the houston texans currently slotted into that number two overall pick but again a lot of people because of that need joe six of nine potentially needing a new quarterback that's only going to drive up the price the ante the asking number that chicago looks to get back for that first overall selection, because Justin Fields is the answer in Chicago, let the smoke screens build if you're a Bears backer and make your draft capital that you get in return that much higher. But do not believe even for a millisecond that Justin Fields is not your answer and your franchise quarterback. All right, Joe, obviously you just have to throw that in at all times. But Houston needs a quarterback. They're currently uh, selecting number two in the NFL draft. Indianapolis needs a quarterback. They have pick number four. And new head coach Shane Steichen and his offensive appeal, you would think that makes sense. Seattle Joe has Geno Smith after a career year, but they could be looking to the quarterback of the future. The t- the uh, Lions do not need a quarterback at six, but at seven, it's the Raiders. At eight, it's the Falcons. And then again, nine, it's the Panthers. All of them have at least quarterback questions and openings entering 2023. We'll keep that moving. Here next on Football Full Circle on Sports Grid Radio Um... We are back here on Football Circle. We're live on the Sports Grid Radio Network. A couple more minutes left here, Joe, on FFC. We're going to have a ton of time to talk about all these off discussions that we are right now as we continue to roll on here throughout the off-season in the National Football League. All right, Joe, I mentioned six teams out of the top nine selecting in the 2023 NFL draft first round that could potentially be in the market for a quarterback. Of course, Houston needs one. The Colts need one, and then as you continue to go down the board, maybe the Seahawks look to the quarterback of their future. They select number five overall, the Colts at four, Houston currently at number two, and then seven through nine, Joe. Raiders, Falcons, Panthers, in that order, really all have some quarterback questions, at least uncertainty, entering next year. Joe, of those six teams potentially, how many do you think look to target a quarterback with that draft pick in the first round?
5: I think it could be it could be four or five. I really believe that. And the fact that you know you bring up a team like Atlanta and, and Las Vegas, I mean, I think Las Vegas could go the Jimmy Garoppolo route to pair him back with McDaniels, so maybe they don't go in terms of a, a top you know ten quarterback. But I, I think Atlanta is probably going to be in the quarterback realm, and we talked about it as well with Des Ritter. As much as we like Des Ritter in college, he's not maybe an elite quarterback. They really made a mistake by selecting. college, Kyle Pitts over Justin Fields, baby, because they would have yep. been set for life. They had Matt Ryan there. It was perfect at the time. They blew that up. I think it's four. I think I think we're at four or five tops in terms yeah. of quarterbacks. Houston, definitely. And I think Houston will make a, 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 a shot
4: at the number one overall pick because I think Ryan's wants Bryce Young. Absolutely so. I think Houston will certainly draft a quarterback early on. I think they'll draft number one. I think it's Bryce Young. I think the Colts will take a quarterback. They should, as we know, Joe, take C.J. Stroud. I'm not sure who that third quarterback is going to be. I think the team, Joe, that most likely looks to a rookie quarterback to round out the top ten of the draft order is still probably Carolina. We'll continue those conversations. And many more of them tomorrow on Football Full Circle. But up next, it's the money line live right here on Sports Grid Radio.